What up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazer reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts, and now also on YouTube. Uh, we've been we've been on YouTube for two months, roughly a little less than two months, and we're trying to continue to grow our community there. So if you haven't subscribed and you're listening to the show now, do me a favor and go to YouTube and subscribe. If you're a longtime listener, support continue to support the show by subscribing on YouTube. If you're a new listener, welcome. We do this five days a week. It's free wherever you get podcasts podcast and also on YouTube. So either way, go go to YouTube right now and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and smash that button. We would love to continue to grow the show there. Today's episode is a Mailbag Monday, answering listener-submitted questions all episode long. It's our weekly mailbag show. We do this each and every week. They used to always be on Mondays, but when the season gets started, we have to move them around. But we still do a mailbag each and every week answering your questions. So if you want to be involved, if you want to ask a question and get it answered on the show, there's two ways to do it. You can tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. helps if you just tag it as mailbag or indicate it's for the mailbag in some, some form or fashion. Or you can wait for the day of the show. If you follow me on Twitter, I'll send out a tweet soliciting questions you respond to that tweet i'll do my best to get you in the show if you are not a twitter user or someone who just doesn't tweet you can email me locked on at gmail.com is the address that's locked on at gmail.com neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays mailbag from your ears so let's get into it our first question comes from our fan who asks when chauncey billups was hired He kept on saying Nurkic is going to have an expanded role for the Blazers. He was going to get more touches to either score or be a playmaker by using his passing skills. It seems like he wanted Nurkic to have a role similar to Nikola Jokic. And 17 games into the NBA season, it seems like those plans have disappeared. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people got promised more this year. Uh, Norm got promised more, and Nort got promised more, and Anthony Simons got promised more. And if and you were listening to the show sort of around the season, there was another mailbag question that was like, how does this happen? And that my answer was simple then. It doesn't. It can't. There's only so many minutes, only so much of the um, only so much of the ball. And, and you know, you play with Damon CJ. They're going to want the ball in their hands. They're going to want to shoot it a bunch. Um, Norm's best skill is shooting. Like, he's a scorer. That's what he does. Um, that's what he is. Like, he's a bucket. Like, he's not He's not other things. He's maybe miscast his other things, but that's what he does. He's um, Watch him put his head down. He's pretty determined to go to the rim. Uh so like, you know, Anthony Simons, while he's developing his playmaking game again, like a guy who wants the ball in his hands to, to operate and they're giving him a chance to do so. They're just, it wasn't, it wasn't possible. I didn't think Nurk would be the guy who got squeezed. I thought it would maybe be Norm or Ant. Um, but it's the difference in being able to dribble a ball across midcourt and having someone pass it to you after you get across that timeline. So it's just, you know, Nurk was promised more and he's getting less. And I think that's um, an obvious frustration from him. Um, there has been games when he absolutely does not deserve to play big minutes. There's been games where he's playing pretty well, but the matchup doesn't allow for it. And they've got more and better depth. But, you know, Nurk was promised to play more minutes and have more touches. And he's having, he has, few, he's had fewer assist opportunities. He has a lower assist percentage and just like t- raw number of chances. He's um, had, had less opportunities. He's playing fewer minutes than he was a season ago. Like it's, everything is, in, um, Nurk's getting a little bit less. And that is sort of the compromise of playing on a good team, particularly a team that added Cody Zeller and Larry Nance that has, 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 you know, depth and options to play different shapes. Um, but it's just not happening. You're right, Arfan. And um, it's, I, 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 I get the sense that Nurk is getting frustrated and you don't, you know, it's easy to connect the dots on why that would be the case. Fewer minutes, fewer opportunities when you were promised the exact opposite is going to lead to some frustration. I think you're seeing that from Nurk. Speaking of Nurk, Aaron asks, 
What do you think the chances are that Nurk gets traded sometime in the new year with the development of Larry Nance playing small ball five? Not interested in trade machines since we have no ideas what rosters and player health will be in the coming weeks and months, but with Nurk tending to get frustrated easily when he's not involved and Larry... And Larry, I'd even say, and I even say Zeller being more consistent, it seems like it might make sense down the road to send Nurk and someone else to acquire pieces that would work with that would work better with what's working on the current roster. I realize that they would need to get or sign another big to make this work. I just think it might be better to downgrade at the traditional center spot and upgrade at the forward position. I'm with you, Aaron. Um, I don't know if it's Nurk who gets traded necessarily, but I think the Blazers need to upgrade at forward. Um, you know, if at some point this roster needs a shakeup. Um, you know, Nurk's heading into free agency this, this summer. So if he's not part of the plans, um, if he's not part of the, the long-term plans, if they don't, don't plan to hand him out a big contract or a multi-year deal, like it might make more sense to move on from Nurk and not necessarily because he struggled this year. Cause you know, his shooting percentages are highest, highest of his career. Like he's kind of been fine. Um, he's had some nights where he's looks terrible. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. Like you see it. I think the numbers maybe belie what you can see with your eyes. And I think many of us have seen it. I think Nurk gets a, an unfair rap this year. I think he's been uh, the scapegoat for times where just like the simple answer is like Dame's been bad. Um, but like, yeah, I, I think it might make more sense that you get to a point where it makes more sense to trade Nurk because because of his contract situation and because you have Zeller who's fine. He's like not nearly as good as Nurk, but he's like fine. And you have Nance. And if you trade him and you get another center to add to the depth, like you can you can make it happen. Like you don't, you know, there are teams that have really good centers, but I think like specifically the Blazers needs like another wing, another three, four, and particularly like a guy who could play between those two positions uh, would be most more valuable. Um, I'm not necessarily advocating trading Nurk outright, but I think um, I think you're on the right track, Aaron. I, I, I would I tend to agree with you that this seems like a logical thing and the, the next place we're headed. Speaking of that, Jess Bielman at Rev Dr. Beals on Twitter asks, you mentioned in a recent episode that we, that's capital W, capital E, a collective pronoun for my longtime listeners, want to get under the tax line. What is the simplest and what is the best way to do that? Um, the simplest is easier. Let's start with simplest. The best is in the eyes of the beholder, I think. Simplest is shed $3 million in salary. That, that's The Blazers are shade over $3 million above the tax line. You can get under it by sending out a trade, sending out a player and getting back $3 million less in salary. That gets you under the tax line. When Jason Quick was on the, uh, of the athletic, when he was on the podcast last week, he said that 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 is very important for the Blazers more on that in a moment. Um, so that's, I think that's like a given they're going to shed $3 million of salary. That's the simplest way to do it. Shed some money. Uh, the question is how you do it. The, the like one you can look at the roster and find it, figure out pretty quickly is if you traded Anthony Simons for a guy, a veteran on the minimum, you would get there. That doesn't seem like something that Neil Olshay would want to do. Um, if he's the decision maker, I can't imagine that happens, but that's the easy math. So then it's something like Rocco, who's entering free agency, or Nurk, who's entering free agency, sh- shipping one of those guys out and get and, and getting back um, smaller dollars in return. Uh, that's, that's the simple way to do it. Uh, the back half of the Blazers bench doesn't have a bunch of easily tradable guys. Um, it, it's, it would be probably pretty hard for the Blazers to trade CJ McCollum midseason, uh, Norman Powell midseason. Conceivably, you could the right the right trade could get there, right? But I think the Rocco and Nurks and Ants who are entering free agency this summer are probably more tradable just because of less long term commitment from the other team when they know you're trying to sh- shed salary. I don't know what this. I don't know the. 
I don't know the the best way to do it, quite frankly, but they're going to do something to shed that $3 million. Speaking of that, Joel, yes, Joel, at Mr. Yolius on Twitter, I'm going to say Mr. Yolius on Twitter, asks, how do you solve the upcoming contracts whilst keeping ownership happy, aka non-luxury tax? You do it like I said before, but I think this is really important. Let's, let's, let's talk about why they're getting under the tax line. Um, first of all, I've been like increasingly critical and I always will be of billionaires not wanting to pay more money for the uh, frivolous basketball team they own. It's, um, it's like, it's like a, a glamour expense for these people. Um, they've already made billions of dollars by the time they built, have a basketball team and it's an appreciating asset. Like I, we don't need to get into it, but I will never advocate for um, billionaires uh, saving money, but they want to because it's normal. And not only do you get under the, not only do you reduce your tax bill, but if you're not a tax paying team, they split the money of the tax paying teams. And with teams like Brooklyn and Golden State paying a whole bunch of money into the tax, it's like $10 million. Um, even if you make a billion bucks, even if you have several billions, $10 million is still a ton of money. So w- one of the key things here is that you, the way the uh, league's tax structure works is that um, there's a luxury tax if you're over the certain line every single year. But then if you are over the line in three out of four consecutive seasons, you get you have to pay a repeater tax, which is a, a stiffer penalty. So there's like there's tiers to the tax. Like if you're $10 million over, you pay this, and then, and then 10 to 20, and then blah, 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 blah. We don't need to get into the weeds too much there, but like as you continue to go further, the taxes like X it's you know one dollar on the dollar on the dollar dollar twenty five dollar fifty as you as you kind of go up the ladder, right? But if you're um, a repeater tax, I think I believe it can be more than two dollars and fifty cents per dollar you're over. So it's a ton of money, like it's a big big tax bill. Um, some teams aren't haven't been afraid to pay it. Um, the Blazers all want to get out of that because of their you know just the market they're in and et cetera et cetera. It's not San Francisco, it's not the Chase Center, it's not all these things. But in 2018-19, the Blazers were a tax team. In 2019-20, they were a tax team. They ducked under it in the 2020-2021 season. That's uh, last year. And now if, they, if they're if they back in this year, they're a repeater tax team. That's bad news. So they're going to duck out and then it resets their clock because then they'll have two years in a row where they're out of the, out of the tax and coming up when Dame's extension and CJ's extension keeps rolling and then you have to pay NERC, um, you're going to have to eventually pay pay or move Anthony Simons. You're going to have to, uh, you know, pay or move Nurk, pay or move Rocco. Like there's more money. They've already they've committed, you know, a hundred million dollars to the three, to the three guards in Norm, CJ and Dame. And then you got to build the rest of the roster. So you're easily going to get up to that sort of 135 ish million tax tax line, like just by virtue of having a basketball team. So if they get under the tax this year, which is really, really important for them to do, they will not pay the repeater tax and they'll allow, they'll be comfortable being a tax team. I would assume for the following two seasons that's the math for you that's why they want to do it let's come back in the second segment answer more of your questions on this glorious mailbag monday but first let me tell you about shopify if you don't know shopify is a complete commerce platform that lets you start grow and manage a business it is a subscription-based software that allows anyone to set up an online store and sell their products shopify store owners can sell in the physical locations using the shopify point of sale or you can just you can do it from your home using their app and the accompanying hardware. So you can do it if you have a brick and mortar. You can just do it from your basement, like the place where I record this podcast. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So startups and upstarts and established businesses alike can sell everywhere. They can synchronize online and in-person sales and they can effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility and Shopify helps you make your entrepreneurial dreams come true. 
Listen, Shopify powers over 1.7 million businesses. It's is a popular product. People use this all over this fine country and all over the world. So from first sale to full scale, you can reach customers online across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps. So that's Facebook and that's Instagram, that's TikTok, that's Pinterest, that's more. You can meet people where they are if you use Shopify and it allows you to gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. So go to shopify.com slash locked on NBA. That's all lowercase for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash locked on NBA right now. Shopify.com slash locked on NBA. Today's show is also brought to you by Truebill. It's a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about on average. People save up to $720 per year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, so Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. If it's not one tap... Truebill is, you are literally are paying for a service that Truebill will do all the rest of the taps for you. Um, I signed up for Truebill, in fact, using the promo code I'm about to tell you about and was able to kind of get my, get an eyeball on all my subscriptions and decide what I wanted to keep and what I didn't. It works for me in less than 10 minutes. It might work for you. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands of dollars a year. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Let's keep it rolling on this glorious mailbag Monday. Our next question comes from Dr. J, who says, It seems with the emergence of Larry Nance and Nas as the closers, we've seen a drop in Anthony Simons' minutes. He used to be around 24 minutes a game, now down to 18. Do you think matchup? Do you think this was matchup based or basically as long as Norm, CJ, and Dame are getting huge minutes and we need length everywhere else? He's getting the squeeze. Yeah, um, this is a few days old, so uh, the numbers are a little bit different, but let's update Dr. J's numbers and talk about it. Three out of the last five games, Anthony Simons has played fewer than 20 minutes. Um, he is Over the first 12 games of the season, he played 23 minutes a night, a little bit, little more, basically round up to 24 for Dr. J's numbers. And then over the last five games, he has played 20 minutes per game, uh, just a shade over 20 minutes. So he's basically missing um, three minutes a game, which is... Um, like small, but not insignificant when you're talking about um, a guy who comes off the bench. The difference in being a 24 minute player and a 20 minute player is, you know, a, a closing the quarter or not, I would say. Um, so, so I think the logic is sound like Dame Norman CJ are just going to play. Um, they tried that four guard lineup, but it's just untenable against most lineups. Um, you know, it's, those are your four best offensive players, but that's a roster problem is that your four best offensive players are all the same size. Dame and CJ are definitely going to play. Norm is a better defender and, and like more equipped to play three quote unquote three than, than Ant is. Um, and like, it's, it just, it's not really Ant's fault, right? Like this, it's not no wrongdoing of his own necessarily. I will say, um, over his last five games, he's shooting 30% from three. He's like, just, he's just been a little bit worse. And he was shooting 38% from three in his first 12 games. He was just absolutely uh, filling it up and playing limited minutes, but being just an offensive ace. I think it's, it's a combination of those things. You shoot a little bit worse. You're not going to get like, you know, you start over three or whatever. You're just going to get, um, you might not get a, a chance again, because if you get hot coach sees you get hot, you get to play a little bit more. Um, so some of it is just like, he's, 
you know, whatever slight shooting slump. Some of it is just the roster. Dame, CJ, Norm are ahead of him in the pecking order. And with good reason, Anthony Simons is the Blazers' fourth best player. He's also their fourth best guard. That, that's just... That is the unfortunate way the roster was built. Um, you could make a case that he that it's not that big of a drop off, but I don't think you could make a case that he's better than any of those other three gentlemen. So um, it's it is like it is what it is. Like if they're going to go small and they're going to like like Dr. J mentioned in this question, like they do need length, so they need they need Rocco or they need Nas at the four. They're going to go Larry at the five, so they can switch everything. They kind of just need another defensive wing there with Norm. Um, not a great defender, but a, certainly a competent and competitive one. Um, so Ant's going to get um, you know Ant's going to get his minutes pinched. If Ant starts shooting well, like if he makes his first two three threes, he's going to play more minutes. Like he'll be back up in the twenty five range. It's it. Some of it is just like, uh, you know, light shooting nights and is that's what he's in a lot of ways out there to do, right? Is to set up the offense and be an, an ace. Like early in the year, he was a fantastic offensive player. If he gets back to that, they'll be good to go. Uh, next question comes from Anthony, who asks, in your opinion, who is the most improved player on the roster and why is it Nazir Little? Yes, Anthony, that's correct. Next question comes from Justin Oslin. That's at Justin Oslin7 on Twitter, who asks, Seems to me that Dame is eaten from the mid-range this year, which is awesome to see. Any data to support that he's taking and making more mid-range twos? Indeed, there is, Justin. Indeed, there is. According to cleaningglass.com, the indispensable statistics website from Ben Falk, uh, Dame is shooting a better from four to 14 feet. So basically like floater range out to 14 feet. He, he was last year shot 36% from, from that range this year up to 43%. So a, a pretty big jump. Um, his frequency is way up in the long mid range. That's 14 feet out to the three point line. Um, that to me is really the eye test. I think he's shooting a lot more long too. Some of it is they run a couple sets where he catches it inside the three point line that I just despise, but there's like a heavy movement set. And then Dame, he'll go around the paint, um, like on the near side where the ball is. And then uh, the far block, he'll get like a pin down screen and come up um, across the paint, like diagonally and catch just inside the three point line. They run it like every other game, um, coming out of a timeout often. Um, and I hate it because giving Dame a catch at 19 feet is just bizarre. Um, he's one of the best shooters in the history of the league. Let him catch it at 22. Like it's, whatever. Um, but, uh, he's been, his frequency is way up on that, uh, from 14 feet out to the three point line. He's shooting about the same, but he's, um, it's happening more often. So yeah, both, both more often and better, Justin, you are correct. Next question comes from Sko Zers who asks, is it a piping hot take to say Aminu's best year as a blazer is better than what Rocco provided for us last year in the early part of this year? You know, I wouldn't agree with it. I wouldn't agree with it, Sko Zers, but I don't think it's, it's piping hot. Um, I just I compared the numbers of uh, Alfred Camino in 2017-18. That's the year the Blazers finished third in the West and were like legitimately a very good regular season team, and then got flamed out of the playoffs. Um, and probably should have been the year of reckoning, but instead it was the year of um, digging in your heels and making the Western Conference Finals. Um, but it was yeah, I, I think like in that 2017-18 year, uh, Chief shot like 37% from three. He rebounded better than um, than Rocco does, and he, sc he scored a little bit more. Like per 36, their scoring is about the same, but uh, Aminu's uh, rebounding is way up, and their, their 
three-point frequency and, and percentages a little better, um, or, or about even. I, for my money, Rocco is a better defensive player, um, but Chief wasn't bad. Um, and I'm a big Chief believer. Like, I'm, I'm a big Amino believer. Uh, he's too bad he got hurt after he left um, Portland, or he could have proved that he's like a totally competent forward for a number of NBA teams. And instead, it looks like maybe he's going to be out of the league, um, no longer an NBA player. But um yeah, I think I don't think I agree. Like I think Rocco's been better. Um, I think it, his level of defense last year was better than Aminu ever got to. But I mean, but Rocco has struggled a little bit this year. His shooting is fine, but um, he's just his he hasn't been as impactful on defense, and he hasn't been as like while the shooting's been okay. The advanced numbers suggest that he has not been particularly impactful on offense. So um, it's yeah, I, I think like I said, I don't agree, but I don't think it's piping hot. I think it's lukewarm. I think it's like a it's a sneaky lukewarm take from uh, Skozers. Next question comes from Jared Tarnaski at Tarnaski J on Twitter, who asks, Sadiq Bay was an option for the Blazers in the 2020 draft. Instead, they traded the pick plus more for Robert Covington. How do you think having Bay right now instead of Covington would impact the team? His three-point shooting has fallen off this year, but would he be a better defender? No, 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 no. Um, I think you could make an argument for sort of like holistic team building that having Sadiq Bey would be better for like the health of the roster, right? He's a rookie. He's improving. He could become a better player. Robert Covington's entering free agency. He's on the wrong side of 30, um, or he's at least 31 years old, maybe, uh, for, for those of us who are on the wrong side of 30. It's the right side, y'all. Um, but like, yeah, I think you could make a case that having a rookie who's decently effective could be uh, better for the sort of long-term health of the roster. But if you want it to be good last year and you want to be good this year, Robert Covington has always been better than Sadiq Bey. Um, he, sh- he shot it way better. He's a way better defender. Rookies are bad on defense. Sadiq Bey was not someone who was good on defense and his shooting has cratered this year. Um, yeah, like Robert Covington is just like a more impactful on-court player by a wide margin. Um, could Sadiq Bey be better very soon? Yeah, absolutely. The young players, he's a developing young player. So like I said, you could make a case that you'd rather have Sadiq Bey for like next year's Blazers and going forward as like a responsible way to build a team. But if you're trying to maximize your competitive window with Damian Lord, there is no way you're convincing me that uh, Sadiq Bey was a better choice than Robert Covington, like in this in this scenario, for sure. Next question comes from anonymous, an anonymous listener who asks, if Covington is moved to the bench, is he as good as gone this offseason? He's a vet probably looking at his last big contract. I mean kind of unrelated to the benching, right? Like, um, he might be gone anyways. Like he's, he's a vet looking for a big, his last big contract. And do the Blazers want to pay him at his age for what he contributes? Um, even if he starts all season, like last year, Robert Covington was very good. I agree that he has not been good this year, but last year, Robert Covington was like very good and very useful. He has flaws. He's not a good point of attack defender, but that was true before he got here. That wasn't some revelation. Um, sometimes you kind of get what you get and then you have to make the pieces work, both like the people who build the roster and then the, the folks who coach the, that roster after it's built. Um, you don't just magically get to turn a 29-year-old into something they're not, they haven't been their whole career. Covington Covington's strengths and weaknesses were known. He has improved as a shooter, and he is what he is as a defensive player. He's a guy who's a great help defender and not very good guarding at the point of attack. I think people are lower on Covington because he's not morphing into a thing that we always knew. Many of us have been trying to say that he wasn't. Um, 
again, that's a, that's a roster thing, not a Rocco thing. That it's not his fault that he's being tasked with that. Um, I mean, it, to some extent, it's it'll be his burden that it, it keeps failing at it, but it isn't like his fault that he's being asked to do something he's not particularly good at. That's um, not not at his age, right? Not at thirty one. That's not. Um, I think it's un, it's unfair to be like, hey, why hasn't why isn't he better at this thing? He's never been good at. It's, it's bonkers. Um, but. Yeah, I think he might be gone regardless. I think sending him to the bench doesn't... It certainly would have an impact because if it was a reduced role, he might not want to be around. But um, I think sending him to the bench is sort of less important than just like the fact that he's the age he is, how much money they have tied up everywhere else, and kind of what where their you know what, where their priorities might be in the in the summer. I think I think Rocco is a prime uh, trade candidate because he's like good and could be really helpful somewhere, and he could kind of get the Blazers um, you know a sort of a, a different look and 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 potentially like a you know a they trade out a good player, they get in a good player type of upgrade. Uh, also save them some money so the Allen estate doesn't have to pay the repeater tax. Thank goodness. Okay, uh, let's come back in the third segment. <laughs> uh, but before we do that, let's talk about Rock Auto. It's a place, speaking about saving money, you want to save some money. Do you have a large uh, repeater tax for the NBA team that you own? Is it is this billion dollar asset holding you down? Well, I've got a plan for you. Buy auto parts from rockauto.com. You'll find all your auto part needs for your car or truck at the place that saves you money. So don't go to the chain auto parts store because that big repeater tax is coming and don't go to the car dealership. You've got this giant repeater tax. It's right. It's coming right around the corner. You got to save some money and you can save 30, 50, even 100% for the same parts if you go to rockauto.com. They're the place that's been specializing do-it-yourselfers. So if you are a billionaire who owns an NBA team who also works on their car, rockauto.com is the family business that's been at it for over 20 years helping people just like you and the prices are the same and reliably low for every customer so if you are a billionaire who happens to work on their own car or just a regular a regular folk who who wants who knows a thing or two about auto mechanics and wants to save some money why don't you go ahead and do that and go to rockauto.com explore the easy to use website and find a solution to your auto part needs go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on and their how did you hear about us box that way they know we sent you Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Still a pass first point guard, still Mike Richmond. We're still listening to Locked on Blazers. Let's keep it rolling with this glorious Mailbag Monday. The next question comes from Team Mom at TCB Biggs on Twitter who asks, as far as you can tell, how are the Blazers meaning to defend the three? What does the scheme look like when executed correctly? And do you know which assistant coaches assist with defense? Pretty sure it's Roy Rogers does, does, but anyone else. Yeah, I mean, I think the way coaching works in the league is that Roy Rogers is tasked with like overarching building and talking about the defense, but everybody does everything, right? Like everyone knows the plan. And when you're when you're sitting and watching film with whatever assistant it is, if it's um, Steve Hetzel or Adnisha Curry or, or whoever it is down the bench, uh, like you're... This is the scheme. You are not doing it. Uh, Roy Rogers may be setting the headlines and, and giving and being the voice who talks about defense, but everyone is coaching the plan. I think is a is a good way to think about that. Um, Chauncey Phillips talks about this pregame before the Blazers beat the Philadelphia 76ers. I believe it was Kevin Calabro who asked him, like, where are you at with your three point defense? That's right. Kevin Calabro uh, attends pregame media sessions. My man is always working. Um, but to Chauncey responded, kind of like. 
you know, you can't really prevent guys from taking threes the way the league works. And I think that's an important thing to note. Like the dudes are going to get them up and the and, and with all the space that's created, and if you get five, four or five shooters on the floor, like you're not really going to prevent attempts. Um, you might prevent wide open attempts, but just in terms of like raw attempts, like te- if teams want to shoot 35, they're going to get up 35. Like you're just, it's, it's quality of look, it's catch and shoot versus off the dribble. Like it's, it, you know, you can, you can prevent maybe like the overall like cl- cleanliness of a three point attempt, but you're not really going to stop attempts. You can't deny threes in, in the way the, the way defense works and the way the league works. So what Chauncey, Chauncey said is like that sort of where they're really kind of struggling. And I think you can see this if you watch closely is that most teams run pick and roll. And if you run pick and roll and you let, you got to help, right? Like even if you don't, even if you mostly corral the ball handler, the Blazers scheme is to help, right? They're going to help in from the, from uh, off the wings. They're going to slide in and, and show bodies in the paint. So the pick and roll driver and the roller can't get a free roll to the rim. In fact, the roller, you know, someone, they call it tagging the roller. So when the roller goes to the rim, someone who's not involved in the screen action, a third defender has to come in, help all the way over and put a physical hand on the roller. So you're, you're sending three guys to guard a two-man action. That's how the Blazers defend the pick and roll. But if you're sending three guys to guard a two-man action, that means one person on the other team is not defended. So if someone else has to split the difference, guard two at once, stand kind of stand in the middle and guard two at once. And then you've got to scramble in rotations. Um, the best teams rotate seamlessly and avoid getting truly caught in rotations because they they keep dribble penetration and, and penetration with the pass out of the paint and then you don't have to scramble as much like they keep stuff in front the Blazers are bad at keeping stuff in front that's their sort of initial problem and then they're really bad in rotations um sometimes it's miscommunications sometimes it's it's lack of hustle sometimes it's um sometimes just straight up confusion about like n- not like oh I thought you were going to go there but like both neither of us went there so I think where you see it is breaking down on after that initial action, most teams run pick and roll. After that, um, then guys um, making a mistake in sort of that recovery. You go here, I'll go there. So, uh, X out, which is like where you cross from the bottom. You go get the guy up high, and the guy who's up high, who is helping, he goes to your man. It's um, you know, it's <laughs> they do it in a lot of different ways. They they screw it up in transition where they don't find guys. They screw it up in the half court where they don't find guys. It's every which way they give up threes. Um, but I think that's a big one, to, like kind of an easier one to watch. Next question comes from Dan, who asks, what do you think about this all defense lineup in limited minutes? I'd love to see it happen sometime. It's point guard Norman Powell, shooting guard Nazir Little, small forward Robert Covington, power forward Larry Nance, and center Yusuf Nurkic. Okay, so the good folks at B-Ball Impact, um, it's a subscription website that I am um, fortunate enough to have a subscription to, thanks to the good folks at Locked On, uh, the Locked On Podcast Network. But um, they have a tool that allows you to sort of plug in players and get a sense of the sort of combinations um, that those like types, combinations of skills that, the, that, that lineup would offer you. Right. Because it isn't just like, would this be good? It's like, everything is a micro skill. Everything is like, there's small little micro skills that make up a basketball team. Like the way Robert Covington is good at help defense, but not man to man defense. He has one skill on defense, but not the other. Cause it's parts, right? So this, um, this tool gives you kind of a look at um, the different parts. So they have spacing, getting to the rim, finishing at the rim, playmaking, defensive versatility, and matchup difficulty. So that would be like how um, do they struggle guarding that guarding that person? And then they do offensive rating, defensive rating, and like overall um, overall ability. So this team's going to be pretty good at spacing with Norm and Nas and Rocco and, and Nance and Nurk. Like that's pretty good. Uh, they, they're horrific at getting to the rim. This b- bottom 30% in the league among uh, f- similar lineups. Uh, 
basically only Nurk or only uh, Norm can get to the rim, and Nurk can get to the rim. It's according to their numbers, Nurk is pretty good at getting to the rim, but um, you know that it's not off the dribble; <laughs> it's off the catch, close to the paint. Um, and where they're really going to struggle, and why I don't think this is a tenable lineup, is playmaking. They're fifth, sixth percentile, five point eight percentile in in playmaking. They just don't have enough dudes who can pass. And if you can't pass, if you can't set set stuff up without a traditional like guard in here, you're not going to get it done. But I will say this: defensive um, versatility. They've got a ton of defensive versatility with this group according to i mean just according to we know these guys like we've watched these guys but also like according to the um according to b-ball impacts numbers um they don't really have they wouldn't necessarily struggle matchup wise uh, b-ball impact doesn't like nas guarding twos but i think that's fine i'm not as worried as their um as their uh, numbers are and um the big concern is that this offensively, this is going to be a horrific team. Um, but you said it was defense only. And according to the defensive LeBron metric, they have their defensive rating metric. This would be the 99th percentile, 98.6 percentile, like an elite defensive group. But here's what I would argue. Rocco, Larry, and Nurk are going to juice any group you put out there. Those are guys are 98th, 97th, and 99th percentile in, in defensive impacts. Like they're really good defenders, those three, um, Rocco, Larry, and Nurk. So why not just put out your best two players with them? Why not run this lineup with Dame, CJ, Rocco, Larry, and Nurk? It's the lineup I've wanted to see all year. We've seen zero minutes of it. Um, I'll, I will continue to complain until we see it. And then when we see it, I'll celebrate it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll whatever, shoot off the cannons or whatever. Like put your three best defenders in the court, put your two best players on the court and see what happens. Um, I understand that Chauncey Billups doesn't view uh, Nance as a, as a five and that's fine. Um, but give it a try, please, please. Next question comes from JDO station. That's J at JF Anderson on Twitter, who says, how much does not having consistent practices affect our shooting? Capital O-U-R, that's the collective pronoun, second one of the show, especially with implementing new offensive and defensive strategies. These are unrelated things. Zero impact on shooting. Shooting is the thing you can practice by yourself. Zero impact on shooting. I would say a lot of impact on offensive and defense. Um, they, you know, you get practices in, you're going to get better at it. It's just normal. Um, no one around the league practices. Player health and rest is too important. Um, even when you do practice, sometimes vets sit out like Damon CJ just won't practice because they got to take care of their bodies. They play 38 minutes every night. Um, a little less than that now, but they're playing a lot of minutes. So like, yeah, I, I think it has zero impact on on shooting at, like at all. None, none. It might even be negative to practice because like you're just tired. Um, but offensive, defensively, I think, you know, the, it would be more beneficial if the schedule allowed for more practices. But the Blazers basically play every other day except for this weird stretch they've had where they've played one game in five days and they're going to make up for it over the next week when they when they play a whole bunch, um, a whole bunch. But they do have two days off after Friday's game in, uh, in San Francisco. Next question comes from PDF Normal, excuse me, PDF Normal. Norman Pal MSW, that's at Pete underscore normal on Twitter, who asks, is Nurk really that big of an Adele fan, or is he just pandering to Rich Paul in an attempt to get a bigger payday this offseason? Incredible question. Um, Adele recently released a new album, 30, available wherever you get pod, uh, wherever you get stream music. I don't know why I'm pimping out Adele's songs. Like she needs help with me promoting her music. But yeah, she, Adele has a new album out, and Nurk said in like a video released on the Blazers social media channels that he said the new Adele is fire. Like he was hyped about the new Adele um, album. And Adele is dating super agent Rich Paul, um, the CEO of Clutch Sports. I, <laughs> I don't know, but um, I love this theory that Nurk is like saying it on camera. Um, 
a bunch. I love PDF Norman Pallets. That's fantastic. Uh, the next question, the final question of the show, comes from Connor at Connor Gregg on Twitter, who asks, "What's the best starting five you can make of players not averaging double figures in any stat category?" Love this. Uh, a little bit harder than you would think. Two guys I immediately thought of, added them to the list right away. Draymond Green and Alex Caruso. It's always going to lean towards defenders. Let's get two dudes who are going to be all defensive performers this year. Draymond is one of the great defenders in the history of the sport. Um, Alex Caruso is one of the best defensive players in the game. We'll get them both on the team. To round out this group, we're going to play small because wings over bigs all day, every day. Uh, at, at point guard, we're going to go TJ McConnell, um, I'm not a huge fan of his game aesthetically, but he gets it done. Um, he's he's a little pest, and he takes a lot of um, <laughs> like uh, ugly line drive 19-footers. But um, he, he did have 19 against the Blazers earlier this year, so um, dude gets it done. At small forward or at one of the forward spots, doesn't really matter. We'll have Jingle and Joe Inglis. Um, Jingles can play, man. Jingles can play. Uh, he's, he's really slowed down a little bit, I think, in the last couple of years, but... Uh, one of the one of the really really good shooters in the game can shoot off the dribble, can pass, can play make. Like he's he's um, even with his sort of perimeter defensive struggles, is still a very very good offensive player. Had one of the great offensive seasons, um, shooting seasons anyone's ever had last year. Quietly, um, certainly in the non Steph Curry category, uh, Jingles was fantastic shooting the ball. Um, and at rounding out our starting five is going to be Nicholas Batum, your boy Nico. Um, he's just Swiss Army knife, really good defender, really switchable. Um, he's just he's big enough. To to play the four he's um quick enough to make it hard on on smaller guards like this is an elite defensive group under under 10 a game was always going to not was going to favor defense because it's guys who don't score but still play to to get up there so tj mcconnell alex caruso joe ingles nick batum draymond green uh if we need a center we're gonna go steven adams off the bench i'm not a not a big fan of adams's game so so I took him out of the starting lineup. And then to round out the rest of the rotation, we'll go 10 deep. Terrence Mann, DeAnthony Melton, Davion Mitchell, and Kevin Herter. Um, we're going we're gonna to get after it, and we have a little bit of shooting. Um, I like our chances to finish like something like right at, right at the play in line cutoff with this group. I think we're going to be, I think we're going to be pretty competitive, but we're going to have a lot of nights where we score 79 points and lose. That is going to do it for today's show. Uh, tell your friends about this podcast home that they should subscribe on YouTube and they can also find us wherever they get podcasts. Just search lockdown blazers, wherever you're looking for us, subscribe and Join us five days a week, free wherever you get podcasts. Make this show your first listen every day. Get your day started with Locked on Blazers. Like I said, free and available wherever you get podcasts. The only daily Portland Trailblazers podcast. Uh, later this week, we got recaps of uh, Denver game. We got a recap of the Sacramento game. That means we will have a podcast in your feed on, on Thanksgiving uh, for my American listeners. So check that. Uh, we're only going to do four shows this week, so... We had yesterday's show. We've got two recaps. We've got the got the mailbag. It's, we're, we'll keep it rolling. We'll come back next week with five shows. So join us. Thanks so much for listening. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs>